Good morning, everyone. Okay, it's so good to be here sharing God's word with you. Uh, this is my slide. Let me just do some testing here. Okay, let me begin with a story. You know, there's two preachers that were standing at the side of the road holding signs. Okay, the first one read, the first sign read, uh, states this, the end is near. So this, this preacher is holding the sign, the end is near, you know, at both the side of the road. Then the other preacher had this sign, turn around now before it's too late. Turn around now before it's too late. So what happens is this, the drivers uh, went past, the first driver that went past the, the two preachers said this, hey, preachers, get a job, you loser. You know, very rude, right? Thinking that they are preaching the gospel. Then the other driver continued uh, behind the first driver, went past the two preachers and then said, hey, get lost, stop your preaching. Okay, moments later, the preachers heard the screeching sound of the tires, the brake, followed by two loud bang, 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 crash. One preacher said to the other, don't you think that we should change our signs to say no more roads ahead? Okay, some of you got the joke. You know, have you heard about this phrase, the methods can change, but the message must remain the same. In it, some people might not like the methods that we preach the gospel or the gospel being presented. I think we can change the methods, but the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ must remain the same. The forms can change, but the fundamentals must remain the same. It must stay the same. Given the changing world that we are living in, especially COVID in place, the changes that affected us and how we do church, how we uh, serve people, we ought to rethink. That's why we have this rethinking series. And especially today, as we come to rethinking discipleship and community, in the light of Scripture, I want to present to all of us uh, the fundamentals in discipleship and community and encourage us that this fundamentals, the message must be the same while we can change some forms, while we can change some matter, but the message must remain the same. And because the topic of discipleship and community is so wide a scope to cover, today I will narrow down our topic in terms of these pointers. Okay, I'm going to talk about the purpose of discipleship, then the function of community in relation to discipleship, and then with that, we will have some uh, thinking through, rethinking discipleship and community. So allow me to just go to my first point, the purpose of discipleship. Now, when we talk about the purpose of discipleship, we are talking about us becoming like Jesus. That's the purpose of discipleship. In the New Testament, if you realize this, there's already discipleship relationship 
that's taking place over there as we read the Bible. There were already master or rabbi-disciple relationship taking place. For example, the Greek philosopher and had their disciples. The Pharisees also had their disciples uh, that can be found in Matthew 22. Okay, John the Baptist also had his disciples, and, and we know that Mark 2, John 1, you know, as we read the gospel, the earlier story, we will know that John the Baptist had his disciple also. Then we also know that Moses had his disciple, as we read John chapter 9. So these are some references that you, you may want to take note of. But what I'm trying to say is this, in this relationship, the disciples that come under the master or the rabbi were understood to be individuals committed to a particular person, the rabbi, the master. And for the disciple, he wanted to learn as much as from the rabbi or the master, his way of life, his teaching, that particular pattern that he lives uh, in that very fixed way. He wanted to become like his master. He wanted to be replicated to become like the master. That's actually what's happening in the discipleship relationship in the New Testament. So the purpose of the, this discipling uh, relationship was to allow the disciple to eventually become like the master or the rabbi that they were following. The disciple were to follow, emulate, copy, you know, duplicate himself, replicate exactly what the master is doing while they serve the master or the rabbi. So as I thought about this, right, uh, I thought that discipleship, the purpose of discipleship is really for us to become more like Jesus. And discipleship is the following of the disciple to become like the master or the rabbi Jesus. It's about towards Christ-likeness. But with that, I want to say this too that in order for the disciple to become like the master, for us to become like Jesus, it requires commitment. It requires that hunger, that passion to follow and to become like Jesus. The master or the rabbi or the person that we want to imitate must have so captured the disciple that they wanted to be exactly who he is and what he does. For example, if you are inspired to become like the bodybuilder that you, you want to be like, you know, with the masters and all this, you, you will be committed. You are inspired by him and say, wow, I also want to train like this. I want to be like him, developing certain sets of masters and all this. You see, the end goal is about becoming like someone that we want to follow. And we discipline by self-denial, hard work, uh, sacrifice, obedient even to the master that we are serving. Likewise, uh, just now, uh, Pastor Vincent has already reminded us again that what is our vision? Our vision is becoming, is to be like Jesus. So I want to tie it back for all of us to ponder and to reflect. 
if the purpose of discipleship is to become more like Jesus, to be Christ-like, what is our commitment like? Let me just refer you to some other passage here. If you read Matthew chapter 4, we know this is the passage whereby Jesus called His disciple to follow Him. But look at this. Uh, in, you see, the, the thing is blocking me. Verse 19, and He said to them, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, when, when this call to follow me is given, it's actually a call from a rabbi Okay, if we interpret from that lens, it's a call from the rabbi to give permission to the potential disciple to come and follow him, come under him, come and follow his teaching, come and be like me. So when Jesus called the disciple, come follow me, he's, he's establishing the master and the disciple relationship for them to become more like Him. If we look at other scripture, Paul knows that also. In Galatians chapter 4, he wrote this, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. It's about the formation of Jesus Christ in us, us becoming more Christ-like. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. It's about becoming more like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, for us who accepted the invitation to follow Jesus, it is the starting of a process to become more like Him. And for the disciple, this is an ongoing process whereby we are formed, we are transformed to be more like Jesus. The very moment we say yes to Jesus, the very moment that we say, Lord, I will follow you. The purpose of discipleship is becoming more Christ-like, becoming like Jesus. So in reflection, at this point, I want to help us process some of this question and maybe you can take home process further. My question to all of us is this, are we following and becoming more Christ-like? Comparing ourselves in the beginning of the year to now, wow, 12 months, are we following Jesus? Are we becoming more like Him? Or are we captivated, even going further down? Are we even captivated and inspired by Jesus Christ that we say, Lord, I will follow you. The next step that you take, I will follow too. I want to become more like you. So I think there's some question that we need to ask ourselves. Are we even captivated and inspired by Jesus as we read the gospel, as He touched our lives, as we read about testimony? Are we even captivated by Jesus Christ to follow Him? Because if we don't, if we don't have that, that inspiration, that hunger, that commitment, 
we will not want to follow him. So today, if we come to this second question and say, uh, there's something wrong with me, I want to ask of you, pray to the Lord, ask the Lord to help us to be captivated by him once again. As disciples of Christ, are we committed in following and becoming more like our master and our rabbi? The purpose of discipleship is to be like Jesus. Are we committed? Are we captivated by him? Are we following him and becoming like him? Let me just go on to the second point. The function of community in relation to discipleship. By now, we would know that... Let me just pause here first. By now, we would have known that the effect of community upon our lives and how the community affects us. Uh, if I, I happened to read an article last week, this week or last week, about in Bishan, you know, there's this hawker, there's this food court that was closed, uh, forced to close. Okay, some of us live in Bishan. Uh, um, and the reason why it's forced to close, given this order to uh, foreclosure for a certain period of time, is because why? A few people don't follow the COVID safety regulation. And it implicates those that are living in Bishan. Cannot go to that food court for that very nice noodle or rice. That's implication. Think about it also, COVID. The restriction placed upon us uh, for a particular group of uh, community, part of community. For example, if I am tested positive, it, how it affects the whole community, if some of you are sick, how you cannot come to church, you know, if your family member is sick, you know, how it implicates and uh, us and how it affects us. By now, I think when we talk about community, one of the very loud message that we can present to all of us is this, that the community actually affects us. And the ever-changing community in the world is also ever-affecting us and changing us or even shaping us. What happens to the community will affect us and vice versa also. So when we look at Scripture and as we look at this topic on community, in a light of Scripture, in a light of uh, discipleship, we should realize that the community affect us and good community that we are in should help us, facilitate us to become more Christ-like. So I put here, if discipleship is towards Christ-likeness, then the community can be likened to the environment that facilitates Christ-likeness in us. The community, the function of the community should provide that environment for us to grow, for us to be formed to be more like Jesus. And you will realize by now uh, that when you read Scripture, there's a number of references to community. Um, and one of the references is the one another list. I, I just put some of them uh, here for our reference. 
See, in the Bible, there's many references to community, how we should connect with each other, how we should treat each other, what are some of our responsibility and obligation to one another in the community. We don't exist alone. It's a community that we are in. So some example is this, encourage one another, be kind to one another, subject to one another, you know, be hospitable to one another, serve one another, confess your sin to one another, accept one another. Confront sin when it's needed. First uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Restore the one who had fallen. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Bear one another's burden. The Bible exhorts us that we ought to be in community and help each other grow. We don't exist alone. We need a community to stimulate us, to encourage us to grow, especially when the end is near. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, our gathering together, our community, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day is drawing near, especially when the end is coming. So we ought to come as community and help stimulate, encourage each other to keep the faith, to love and to have good works. We need the community also to warn us, rebuild us, bring us back when we are walking out of that line or not growing anymore. One of the scriptures for our consideration is this from 2 Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to chapter 4, verse 2. This is what Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, encouraging him, talking about scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, and he went on in verse 1 saying this, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. What's happening here? I believe that Paul is saying that with the word of God, Timothy, use it, you know, help the community, give the word of God to the rest, and that does not exempt us also as part of the community, to say that, hey, we need to use the word of God. As we examine the word of God, as we take instruction from the word of God, you know, we use that same principle to help each other grow. If some of us, we are out of line or we are not growing anymore or we are backsliding, use the Word of God. Allow God to use us to encourage one another to grow or at least to create some uh, frame or at least help that person pull him or her back in line and grow together. The community, brothers and sisters, the community that we are in, the small group community that we are in, is very 
important. It's instrumental and it should function for us in our formation to become more like Jesus. We need each other in our journey together. I remember there's this example that I uh, gave to the YA um, during the beginning of the year. Uh, using this example of the square watermelon to illustrate my point. And I'll do it here also. So the question is this, have you seen a square watermelon? Yes, you did, because it's on the slide. Okay, you cannot say that. it's on the slide. So I want to ask this, you know, how many of you have eaten the square watermelon before or bought a square watermelon before or very very costly uh, in that sense. I, I have not, but I know it's very costly. But there's actually a purpose why the watermelon is square in this case. Okay, let me just bring you straight away to the point. You see, in Japan, usually the families are living in very small apartments, so everything's small. When it's small, right, your fridge will also be small, right? <laughs> uh, go together with this train of thought of mine. Uh, okay. Small apartment, small fridge. So can you imagine, right, if you buy a over or a, or a, a watermelon that is, that is round and you put it into the fridge, actually it consumes quite... There's some space that will be wasted lah, in that sense, you know, because not fully utilized. But... If you have a square watermelon that fits exactly into the size of that fridge, a certain portion of the fridge, you know, it makes use of the space. I mean, it's efficient in that sense. So can you get the idea? So the reason why the creator or they make square watermelon, right? One of the purpose is actually to fit into the small fridge to make space uh, available, to, to be efficient in terms of uh, the use of space. So that's the reason why it is a square watermelon. So turn to your neighbor now and say, oh, now I understand. <laughs> okay, but come back again with me. Now, how do they make this square-shaped watermelon? That's where you see in the slide also, this, they actually have a frame, okay, that as the watermelon is growing, it will conform to that square frame. It will conform to that square frame. So, you see, I see community as such. The community can act for us like a square frame helping us to grow into a square watermelon so that we can fit into God's purpose for His kingdom. There's a purpose why the square watermelon is created, for a purpose. So exactly, uh, likewise for us, the community acts as the square frame to help us conform to that pattern of Christ for the kingdom purposes. So when we are grow, we cannot grow out of shape, you know. 
when we have that square frame helping us. So the community act as if to correct us, bring us back, exhort us back in that sense. That's what the community is all about. Help me with the slide, thanks. If we are low in our energy or our passion to grow, the community can encourage us challenge us, accept us, help us to grow, pray together with us. And if we are doing well in the community, this community can celebrate together with us, rejoice with us. And also, we as part of the community can contribute back to the community for all to grow. Brothers and sisters, the function of community in relationship to discipleship is to provide that environment for us to be more Christ-like. It frames us to be more Christ-like. So come to this point of application. Are you in the GFC community that can help you grow? I'm not just talking about big group contexts. I'm talking also about small group contexts. Are you in your cell group? Are you in smaller group whereby that group, that community can help you grow, can bring you back when you are walking out of line, can encourage you back? We ought to be in the community. And for us to be in community, is, it's not just a matter of, oh, I want to be in the community. I think commitment is needed here also. A commitment to be part of that faith community. The commitment to grow together. The commitment to, and the willingness to accept help. You know, some of us, maybe we have pride issue. Uh, we refuse to accept help, but that's what community is for. Be willing to receive help, be willing also to contribute, be willing to receive correction, and be willing to love others and help others, and many other points here. But the thing is here that I'm trying to say is that we must be committed to the faith community here in our small group and help each other grow in good times, in bad times, because the function of the community is to provide that environment for us to be Christ-like. There's this, there's this example that I shared during the Kalio camp, and I thought it's a good example just to transit our point. Now, there's this community orchestra that was, that was that's, that's having problems with attendance. Uh, the reason is this several musicians were absent for each rehearsal. So they are supposed to perform uh, for the audience, but the problem is this, they are challenged by this attendance problem. Several musicians take turns to be absent, but one of the good news is this, in the midst of people taking turns uh, to be absent for practice, there's one player, the trumpet player, that is uh, very good, I mean very regular, I mean in fact 100% in his attendance, he's faithful, he's a faithful trumpet uh, player. Then finally, as the dress rehearsal drew to a close, and the conductor 
took this moment to really appreciate and thank this trumpet player, saying that, oh, you, you are really faithful. Thank you for your faithful attendance, 100%. And she then responded humbly and said this, oh, that's the least I can do since I will not be at the performance. I think we do not want to be in such community, right? And I, I think you get my point. The function of the community is to help us grow, to be more like Jesus, whereby all contribute, all serve, all be part of it, all provide and facilitate that environment for our growth in the Lord Jesus. So with this purpose of discipleship to be Christ-like, function of community to facilitate the environment for Christ-likeness, with that, let us rethink discipleship and community. How do we ensure Christ-like formation and community cohesiveness in these new norms? It may be changing, it will definitely change again, but how do we ensure that we are formed to be more like Jesus in the midst of the community. I will just throw some ideas for our thinking through and also in your own thinking. First of all, touching on the individual, the, our own personal. I, I think despite the pandemic or right now endemic situation whereby restriction is placed upon us. The question to ask ourselves is this, are we in a discipling relationship to be like Jesus? For example, are there people that's discipling you? Or are you discipling others? Even in the midst of all this restriction, and all these guidelines. You see, when the restrictions are imposed, there might be certain forms or methods of activities that we cannot engage in. For example, there's one time we, uh, the, before this that we can sit in five, we have to sit in two. I mean, there's certain numbers that are restricted from coming to the church, to your house, to the ministry events that we have. Then what do we do? Do we stop meeting for safety's sake or do we still encourage one another through other forms and other creative ways? If, if think about it, if the purpose of discipleship, if we really know and buy into the purpose of discipleship, even if we cannot meet face to face, we will still Zoom and have online meeting. Think about it, if that vision, if that passion, if that hunger is to be so, we will think of other ways to make it possible. You see, brothers and sisters, the methods can change, but the message remains. The forms can change, but the fundamentals remain. The goal, the purpose, the vision is to be like Jesus. And recently, I'm really thankful to God that uh, some of the e EFCS pastor, we form a group. I'm part of the group, so I'm very thankful. Being new to the EFCS, uh, we say, let's form a group to journey together, four of us. 
we, because we recognize discipleship, we recognize this very important fundamental that we ought to become like Jesus. We recognize that discipleship is very important. So we form a group to hold each other's uh, accountable. And of course, when we talk about commitment, we say that, hey, let's not just talk only, you know, let's not just, uh, okay, the, the primary started with this. Since we have to eat lunch, right, every day, why don't we set aside some time to meet together, have lunch, have extended time to hold each other accountable and share our journey? Logical, so we do that. But we cannot leave it by chance that, hey, are you free? Person A, B, C, are you free uh, on certain day? And then we change. No, we don't. We don't leave it by chance. We say that since we are serious about it, let's lock in 2022. Every month, certain date, we will meet together. Lock it in in your calendar right now. That's how serious we are. You see, if we are really serious about our journey to become more like Jesus, I think we will lock it in, be committed and say by whatever, that's, I mean, that's the date that I've locked in and I will come and we will share our life together. Do you have a small community that's like this, your cell group or the smaller group that you are in. If not, can I encourage you to do something about it? Because the vision is for us to be like Jesus and the community can help us. If discipleship and community is important and essential to us, whatever the restriction, how the guideline will be, whether we use Zoom or not use Zoom or use Teams or not use Teams or use other form, WhatsApp or not WhatsApp, you know, meet physically or not physically, we will make sure that discipleship carry on. The fundamental do not change, whereas the forms can change. How about evaluating and thinking discipleship and community? in the context of our worship service. Is the faith community still functioning despite the restriction? Are we facilitating this community to become more Christ-like? You know, some of us will think that, hey, pastor, this, this is worship matter, you know, should be touched last, last week. No, I, I, I want to say this also. Yeah, maybe it seems like a worship idea, but... I think the coming together to worship as a community is a discipleship and a community issue too. The very fact that we need to encourage one another to come, despite the restriction, despite the guideline, is part of discipleship and community. Come hear the Word of God. Come worship God together. Come serve one another Community, discipleship, because the target, the vision is to be like Jesus. So in the past one and a half year, I'm so thankful for the AV team, the worship team, and, and some, some of those background ministry that is working this out for us to gather and worship God as part of our discipleship journey. Just remember this. There's so many changes, right, before COVID or in the midst of 
that that start of COVID physical meeting of 250 to 300 people here, you know, then becomes zero because of COVID, then goes online, then goes 100, 150, 170. And I don't know how it will change again, depending on the restriction. Sitting in five, sitting in two, sitting in eight, sitting in five, you know, variation from no singing to can sing with mask on to no singing to humming last week, you know, changes again from separated to zone of 50 to 100 and who knows what happens next month, don't know. From coming to church and, uh, and, and that provision to come and provision to go to the coffee shop or the cafe after church to coffee shop close, no more sitting, uh, to reopening again. All these restrictions and guidelines affect us. And this is part of, and, and the reason why we encourage, despite some of the restrictions not in favour for us, is actually part of discipleship. I'll give you an example. One of, one of our concerns as a leadership, right, I, I can share here, is that, that whether coffee shop can, is open or not, you know, to determine how many of you are coming back. Why? Because after service, if you say, I cannot even fellowship at the coffee shop, why come church? Isn't it a discipleship issue? Think about it. But what we are trying to say here in the message is this, that despite what is happening, the call to worship it's important. We ought to worship together, whether online, that you are, you are hearing me now, or on-site. We need to gather together to worship God and hear what He has to say. And of course, I add in here, if you are online, right, alone, please come to church. Yesterday, I was joking with my wife, you know, if you are online, alone, Back at home, it's very hard for you to participate in a community worship. It's a discipleship issue. Why is it so? Because when the whole say, shall we arise? I, I think you are sitting maybe in your bed or on the chair. Let us do something. Let us clap. I think you are just looking at the screen doing nothing. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. La. Let me apologize first. But you see, if there's, if there's a community in your house, for example, my family, when Pastor Vincent say, let's arise, I have to arise because I'm setting an example for the rest. You get what I mean? So my point is this, if you are alone at home, online, please come to church. There's a community effect. And I want to encourage you, as we think about discipleship community in the midst of all this restriction and changing environment, if the fundamental is for us to be Christ-like in the midst of the community facilitating us to be Christ-like, then whatever it is, we will just do it. And I really want to encourage that certain dynamics when we come together as a community, because God is in the midst of us. Think about it. When we come together, God is in the midst of us. 
Matthew 18 verse 20 says this. Jer uh, Zephaniah chapter 3 says this. When we are together, God is in our midst. So with that, I know my time is running out, but I'm throwing some other idea for you to think. How about rethinking discipleship and community in the in the in your cell group, rethinking discipleship and community in your cell group. Think about it in your cell group. The cell group can discuss about it. Rethinking discipleship and community in my cell group. How about rethinking discipleship and community in your family? Because our family is also that small community, especially if we are believers, rethinking discipleship and community in our family. How do we help each other grow as the environment to grow, to become more Christ-like? For you to go back to rethink, to reprocess. But because my point is running out, I will just end with this last slide as a landing of my message. But yet we are flying. If you can see the screen, it's about this V-shaped formation of the geese flying together. Let me conclude with this example. There are reasons why they fly in this way, V-shaped. The reason is this, as each bird flaps its wings, it actually creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. Meaning to say, if I'm bird one, I flap my wing, the uplift will actually help the, those that are behind me. So by flying this V-shaped formation, the whole flock adds, according to science and their statistics, at least 71% greater flying distance than one bird flying alone. So if they fly like this, 71% uh, greater flying range than just one bird flying alone. Wow, that's power, right? And this formation is such that when a goose falls out of line, V-shaped formation, if the goose uh, fall out of line, it will suddenly feel the drag of the whole uh, aerodynamics thing. There's a drag in resistance. So it will, quote-unquote, prompt the goose to fly back into formation to enjoy the uplift rather than to uh, have that drag and resistance. So the V-shaped formation can help in alignment also. But what is interesting is this, that as the lead goose uh, gets tired, it, they can actually switch position with the next one. When the lead goose is tired, they can switch position, and then the next one will take lead, and they continue to fly towards the common direction, towards the destination. And the birds will honk at each other. Why? Just to encourage one another to continue to keep going, in a sense. But finally, what impressed me is this, as I read this, is that when a goose gets sick, or is wounded maybe because of gunshot and it falls out of formation. Interesting fact is this, two other geese will actually fall out with that goose, follow down with it to be help and protection to that injured one. 
and they will stay with that injured one until it was a, a, until it's ready to fly or until it dies. Then these two others will join with other formation to catch up with their group. I thought it's an amazing illustration and an encouragement for all of us as I close that we as individuals are to be like Jesus. That's our vision. That's our goal. And rather than flying towards that goal alone, let's do it together, V-shaped formation. And let's work out together, V-shaped formation, because our common destination or the vision is to be like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you once again for this time. I pray with the word that uh, went out, the message that went out, Lord, that you will inspire us, touch our hearts, and convict us, Lord. And through the word, cause us to apply and do and make alignment of our lives towards what your word is commanding us. So God, I just ask of you, even as we work as a community, especially for those that are yet to be committed to the com community, community, Lord, I ask of you, you give us grace and through this message, help us align back to you, Lord. So God, I pray that as we close this, as I close this sermon, Lord, that your grace will be upon our lives, Lord, that truly we will become more like Jesus. Commit all this in Jesus' name. Amen.